Dave's Podcast, Episode 6 Slough More lawnmowers, tractors, Honda cars Oh yes, and meeting Debbie I was quite sad to leave WG Church Both Terry and Bernard had been very good to me But motivated mainly by this new girlfriend I knew I was never going to be able to afford a yacht while I worked there I must have seen the vacancy through the maiden advertiser. Power gardening slough require lawnmower and tractor salesman in Europe's largest lawnmower showroom. And it was a very formidable building when I arrived for my interview. I came through the front door and spoke to the receptionist. She told me to go up the stairs. I went up the stairs and waited to see the managing director, Mr Cohen. More about him later. I went in, we had a short interview, and then he offered me the job. I was quite surprised, really, but I think it was spring, obviously the optimum time for lawnmower sales, and they had been let down and were really quite desperate. Well, I'd better give you a tour of power gardening, but I hope you've got your comfy shoes on. Power gardening slough was situated just behind the railway station. It was a large glass-fronted building, which had Honda cars out the front, plus a customer parking area, and a garage tagged on to the left-hand side. You went up steps and through the main door, and in front of you was a receptionist uh, behind a, a desk, and then some stairs. You went up these stairs, and there was the managing director's office, uh, a couple of accountants, a PA. Downstairs again, and to the left, was a small area which had uh, a few lawnmower spares and bits and pieces. And at the end was a counter which had Honda car spares. Back across there and down the stairs, you had the large showroom which had all the lawnmowers in. So this had like little Honda mowers, uh, fly mower mowers, uh, mount fields, um, up to um, big 24, 36-inch cylinder mowers. Upstairs again um, and to the right was the Honda, Honda car sales. Uh, I know it was upstairs, it seemed a bit crazy, but they had a large lift where they took the cars down from the lift and they went into the garage there. There was about five or six garage staff and a manager down there. Upstairs as well there was also where we kept the tractors. There was large Kubota tractors, Mountfield ride-on mowers and various uh, leaf sweepers and attachments to that. The Kubota tractors were a diesel Japanese tractor and very reliable. An example of the Kubota tractor's reliability was many years later in 2015. I went to Portugal to uh, visit friends who had moved there to run a Kinta. Now, bearing in mind, when I was at Power Garden, it was about 1982-83, and they had bought a Kubota tractor in Portugal, 
and uh, it was obviously quite beaten up and quite old, but very reliable. And when I checked the registration on it, it was registered in 1983. Anyway, on with the tour. Behind the back of the main lawnmower showroom was a large storage warehouse where we could um, petrol up and, and oil up mowers ready to go uh, and also a big storage area. Out the back there was a yard which had access to the garage area and a large prefab which was also used for storage. Round behind the petrol station was the lawnmower repair garage there was about uh, half a dozen people that worked in there and they did lawnmower repairs, so it was quite a big uh, workshop there. So, when I started at Power Gardening, I was working with Colin, who was a 45-year-old uh, salesman. Um, I can't remember much about him. In fact, I'm not even sure his name was Colin. All I can remember is that uh, he did get served with his divorce papers while at work one day. The other person I worked with, which was much more memorable, was John Walsh. He became a very good friend of mine, was about my age, and actually uh, later on was my best man at my wedding, and is godfather to Millie. Sadly, I've lost contact with him the last 20-25 years, um, because of circumstances which I may or may not go into. So if anybody knows John Walsh, used to live in Thatcham, had loads of sisters, married someone in Cheltenham Racecourse and moved up north, please get him to message me. My other uh, manager was actually John Walsh's brother-in-law called Brian. And I think his name actually was Brian. So I settled into my duties. It was a very busy time of year. Uh, obviously, it was uh, high sales time for lawnmowers and that. So the days went very quickly. We were either like selling, often we would do deliveries, so around the local area. Um, we had uh, demonstrations, we had strimmers and, and mowers petrolled up and ready to go if people wanted to see them running out the back. Slough was a much more multicultural area. I often had large Asian families coming in to look at lawnmowers. There would be the grandparents, mum and dad, and three or four children. But only the children could speak English. So quite often I found myself describing the qualities of a Flymo air collection grass system to an eight-year-old. Although we were actually nearer to Windsor Castle, the Queen never came in to buy a lawnmower. I sold Prince Philip a streamer once. <laughs> I'm joshing. We did have Lewis Collins. Lewis Collins came in, he was in the, a programme called The Professionals. He played Brody in there. He came in to buy a strimmer once with his girlfriend. Uh, he wasn't very talkative, she was doing most of the talking. But I did get his autograph from my sister. Mr Cohen was a big Arsenal supporter. We did supply all the lawn mowers for uh, Arsenal football ground. I remember also talking to an accountant once who was there working there temporary and I don't know how we got onto the subject but I was talking to him maybe I was going to see The Who in concert and he said, oh, uh, my mum is the uh, accountant to The Who and I was like, what? You know. Anyway, I said to him, I said, what's the chances of him getting a signed photo? And he said, leave it with me. Well, a couple of months later he turned up with a signed photo. 
Unfortunately, by then, Keith Moon had died, so it had uh, Kenny Jones in it, but I've still got the signed photo to this day. At this time, I was still using the Avenger. Do you remember the Black Avenger, which was now sky blue? I'd stripped all the black paint off and resprayed it. But it started giving me trouble. Obviously, it was quite a way to Slough and was quite a difficult journey. I used to have to go the back way into Slough because of the traffic. Once it stopped going, I then had to use the train for a few weeks. And um, occasionally I would get a lift back from one of the salesmen who actually lived in Cookham behind WG Church. Um, I then went up to Mr Cohen and asked if I could use a spare, uh, there was a Honda Acti van that was spare. Colin, uh, who may not be Colin, uh, he had the Honda pickup which were used for deliveries. So I asked him if I could use this van. He said it was available and, to my surprise, said yes. So I said I was going to talk a bit more about Mr Cohen. He was the first managing director that I'd come across and he was a thoroughly unpleasant man. One time, one of the salesman's wife had had a miscarriage. He went into him and said, look, I need some time off, otherwise I'm going to get a divorce. He replied, well, you're much better off getting a divorce and staying here and working for me. Another example is, we didn't have a Christmas do the first year I was there. We had a summer outing. We had a boat uh, that was hired from Windsor. And uh, we went off uh, on a Friday night uh, and had uh, this disco and free drinks and everything. And it was a very, very nice evening. But the next day, he made five people redundant, including the receptionist whose husband had just had a heart transplant and was quite known within the area because heart transplants were quite rare at that time. Another time, I went up to ask Mr Cohen for a raise because at that time I'd left home and was now living in a shared cottage. And you know what he said? He said, actually, Dave, I'd rather you didn't work for me at all. I mean, that's just outrageous. I know what you're thinking. Enough of this talk, Dave. How did you actually meet Debbie? Well, it was through John Walsh. His girlfriend, Sandra, and uh, a lot of her friends were meeting up one last time in August before they all went off to university. They were going to go to a restaurant called Collie's Supper Room in Reading. It was a large Victorian house that had two sort of front rooms that were converted into a restaurant. And you went there and there was no set menu uh, they just came out and they said, well, here's the soup of the day, here's a prawn cocktail, and then you chose a main, and they came round with a sweet trolley. Before I went, he gave me the lowdown on the various girls that were there, and he did say about Debbie, but she was in a long-term relationship. I remember going there, and the main thing was that on the day before, I'd been given a box of 500 printed business cards for the first time, so I was handing out all these business cards willy-nilly. But the sad thing is, I have absolutely no recollection of meeting Debbie at all. I did go out with one of her friends briefly. We went out for, uh, for one drink at one time, and uh, she was decorating her bedroom, I remember, and she, was, she just talked the whole time about paint and wallpaper. Well, I think I'd had enough of paint and wallpaper by that time. So after Christmas, Sandra and her friends, who'd been off to university, 
were now back for the Christmas holidays and they were arranging to meet up in a nightclub. So John Walsh asked if I wanted to go. He said they'd be there around nine o'clock. The nightclub was called Tuesdays, I think, in Bracknell and was underneath a multi-storey car park. Very salubrious. So I got there at nine o'clock. I was in my best outfit I had at the time, which was white trousers, a purple shirt without collar and a white bow tie. I was really into Haircut 100. It was a funny time. It was the 80s. Anyway, I got there at nine o'clock. No sign of them. By 10 o'clock, they still hadn't arrived. And I was getting uh, a bit fed up. You know how miserable nightclubs can be if you're on your own. I have this terrible fear that I could have easily have said, right, I've had enough of this. I'm going home. And obviously my life would have been completely different and my girls wouldn't have existed. It's a silly thing to think because obviously you can say that about lots of times in your life, but I always find it quite frightening. Anyway, they did eventually arrive and I was introduced to everyone. We had a few drinks and then we had a dance out on the dance floor. Then suddenly all the girls disappeared and went off to the toilet. What I didn't realise is that because it was the 80s, there was a lot of ultraviolet light and Debbie had a black lacy top on with a white bra. So when she got out on the dance floor, all you could see was this white bra dancing around. So they'd gone off to the toilet and she'd taken her bra off and put it in her handbag. So when she came out, I obviously realised this and thought, this is the girl for me. The evening went on and we had a few more dances and then we had our first kiss. Now, apart from this outfit I had on, I was also sporting a rather fetching moustache. A bit like a 1980s drugs cartel moustache. Anyway, we had our first kiss and Deb said, I've never kissed anyone with a moustache before. And I replied, no, neither had I. So me and Debbie started going out. We'd often go out with John and Sandra. Sandra was at university in Hertfordshire I remember staying there for the weekend. John and Sandra had booked up to go to Mallorca in September and uh, we then booked up to uh, go out and join them. And we'd only been going out about four or five weeks. It was quite crazy, but when you know, you know. So I'd left home and was living in this uh, cottage with two other people. Uh, I was paying about £25 a week in rent. And uh, they say I was with Jane, who I knew before, and this other chap I didn't know, who was a, a surfer, used to come in and uh, there would be a couple of surfboards in the hall you'd have to negotiate. But living with other people is quite difficult. Jane would often cook up a, a huge bowl of uh, spaghetti bolognese on a Monday and then put the rest just in the cupboard and keep heating up throughout the week until like Wednesday or Thursday she'd have the last lot. Debbie at this time was working in an old people's home in Mortimer, just outside of Reading. She had the opportunity to take on a tied cottage within the grounds. She found a friend, Karen, to help with the rent and rent one of the rooms. I was now spending a lot of time over there and obviously paying, still paying rent on my place. So it was decided that I ought to move in. I started applying to jobs in the Reading area mainly in lawnmower sales. 
Unfortunately, I applied to one lawnmower place and we were supplying them with mowers from Power Gardening. He phoned up Mr Cohen and told him all about it. Mr Cohen asked me to come in the office and he said, I know all about you, you're trying to move to Reading and he was trying to be really snarly and clever about it. Bearing in mind that this was March and the busiest time for lawnmower sales. And even though he didn't like me and uh, had told me on this one occasion that he'd rather I didn't work for him at all, I was better than nothing at all. Anyway, I told him to stuff his job and gave him my notice and then I left power gardening. So I worked out my notice and obviously when I left I was going to lose my Honda Active van so I had to buy an old Fiat. So on my last day the salesman who lived in Cookham gave me a lift home. I loaded up my Fiat car with my entire possessions which was basically a record player, a couple of packs of records and my clothes and I headed off to Mortimer. One thing I remember doing before I left, do you remember the 500 business cards I had? I proceeded to hide them throughout power gardening. I put them in invoices, books, I put them in lawn mowers, under tractor seats, in Honda cars, in the telephone book, under telephones, everywhere around. So I had this idea that for months afterwards they'd be going, that's that bloody David Terry again. Now, obviously, uh, all the other podcasts and every other job, the green grocers, the paint wallpaper place, WG churches, power gardening, I'd always just walked in, had the interview, such as it was, and got the job. I then started replying, and I remember going to the first one, which was Radio Rentals um, TV sales uh, in Reading. And I remember going for the interview, and the man said, well, oh, I'm sorry, you haven't got the job. And I'm going... Uh, I'm sorry, no, I think you're wrong. Do you, would you like to check that? I was so surprised that I just didn't get the job. So I was then actually unemployed for six months until MI5 came to my rescue. This was a Just the Ticket production.